Don't call it a comeback. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Ranked uh, above 80. Hey, Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this is not Hello? good. This is the Press Box. On Are you there? Come on! With Grady and Bischoff. Ed, disconnect! Are you there? Ed, check your phone! You're sending us messages. Yes, we Hello? hear you. Disconnect! On ESPN Las Vegas. Did you hear me saying hello when you were yelling at me to disconnect? Yes, I was. That's oh, that's awesome. Tyler, can you hear me? I don't know if that's really Ed or part of the reach or the image. Hello? Hello, Mark? Mark? (laughs) Mark, where are you today, Ed? (laughs) Uh, I'm in Minnesota getting ready for game three. Okay, so we're going to have those same technical difficulties. Can we? Yes, Yes, at least six times in the show I will hear you and you will not hear me. (laughs) The first bite. Can the Golden Knights win the series without Max Pacioretty? It appears they're going to try because Cody Glass lives. <laughs> and he apparently Ooh. is alive because he's been called up to the team. I don't really know what that means. Maybe you can help me. Like, he and Dylan Sakur were called up. Is that just practice fodder? Or could we actually see him play Cody Glass? I assume you call up Cody Glass. It's because he could play. Now, yeah. Patrick Brown is is one of the Golden Knights that's already been like with the uh, taxi squad. So Patrick Brown is probably in line to play before Cody Glass, but maybe they play Glass tonight or they're one injury away from having to play Cody Glass because Max Pacioretty is out. And even though Pete DeBoer keeps saying he's day-to-day, I don't know that he's actually day-to-day. And Tomas Nosek got hurt and left the last game and might not be able to play in this one. So I I assume it means Cody Glass is, is close to playing for the Golden Knights, whether he's ahead of Patrick Brown or not, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't imagine you call him up just for him to like sit and practice with the team or something like that. Like you're calling him up because there's a legitimate chance he could play. Yeah, and uh I guess well we'll know for sure when these uh the morning skate comes on, but and I don't know if it's been reported back home, but is Patch already on the trip? I, nobody knows. Did DeBoer wouldn't I mean, answer I think that Pete question. DeBoer said yesterday he wouldn't even say if these guys are on the trip. Which, by the way, since the Golden Knights never want to tell us anything because they want no. to get whatever advantage they think they can possibly get, is Pete DeBoer saying Patch Reddy's not on the trip? Is that him trying to hide that Patch Reddy is on the trip so the Wild can't prepare for Patch Reddy? Or is that him trying to hide that Patch Reddy is not on the trip? So that the Wild keep preparing for Pacioretty when he's not going to play. Yeah, that's a good question because, as Pete DeBoer <laughs> said, I'm not lying. Um, I I look if he didn't, which I understand. I was on a plane yesterday when they had the availability, but reading stuff back, it appeared he just wouldn't answer the question. No, yeah. Which, again, I, I don't think he's trying to fool anyone there. I mean, he, you know, he he knew at the point whether he's coming or not. He just didn't want to say. So I don't know if it was. I guess anything to mess with the wild because he could have been on the trip and not even gone to skate and just been here um, just to be with the team. 
So, like I said, we'll know at morning skate. And here's the thing. Who knows if we'll you know, know at morning skate? Now, I assume since he hasn't like played since like the first week of May, he'll be on the ice for the morning skate if he's actually playing tonight. But the way they hide things, I don't, maybe he's not on the morning skate, and all of a sudden he's in the starting lineup. I, I, you never know what they're going to do. He's skating right now, Ed. Get down to the arena yes. and find him. Break <laughs> in and find him. He's on the ice right now four hours before morning skate. So I'm going to break into the XL Energy Center <laughs> as long as I fill out my COVID uh, form that I have to fill out. Does clean feed work from jail? Well, I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what. Now, it is 9 o'clock here. But I am doing the show from the hotel room. Within two seconds, if you hear loud pounding on the wall, it's someone from next door not happy we're doing the uh, press box live from Minnesota. Oh, boy. Who's next door? Is Ben, is <laughs> ben no Goats? Oh, next. it's just a random person. I was no. hoping like, yeah. Ben Goats no was trying to sleep in and was mad at you yes. for doing a radio show. Very angry <laughs> Adam Hill. <laughs> just... yes. Someone next door heard, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I do want to play a voicemail we got yesterday because here's we have a voicemail line. Uh, you can call in and leave a voicemail if you want at 702-720-4678. We have a very loyal listener in the 7 o'clock segment who leaves us a voicemail two or three times a week over the last two weeks, but we don't ever play it back on the show until sometime in the 9 o'clock hour, and I'm assuming he doesn't listen then. So here's a voicemail we got yesterday about Max Pacioretty. Great hot takes this morning, guys, but one thing was scarcely mentioned, if at all. I didn't hear it at all, actually. And that is their opinion on what happens if Max Pacioretty cannot play the rest of the series. We heard every angle imaginable except that. And I'd like to know their opinion on how can the Knights possibly win without their top goal scorer. Just speculation, of course, but I'd love to hear their opinion on it. Thanks. So first off, if you're leaving us a voicemail, please tell us your name. That way we can reference who you are when you leave the voicemail. Uh, but second off, I we know it, 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 it kind of sounded like Kelly McCrimmon. Go, go ahead. <laughs> you know how great he, that was he, yeah, he calls in to ask for, like, help. <laughs> yes. He was like, damn. I was hoping they'd tell me how to deal with Patch Reddy. They didn't even bring it up. All they um, did was make jokes about his agent. I know those. <laughs> so what I am curious now on Patch Reddy is if we assume he is out, Mark Stone has one point, and it came on that final goal from Alex Tuck in game two. Um, they've started Tomas Nosek there in game one. They have since put Alex Tuck up there. I'm curious, like, what do you think the answer is? If Max Pacioretty doesn't play, like, is Alex Tuck the best bet to play at that left wing on the first line with Mark Stone? I think he's the best bet, and I think given who they called up yesterday, that's where they'd stay. Because um, obviously, well, I don't know. They put Tomas Noshik up. Maybe Glass is going to be the first <laughs> line center. I don't know who's. Up. No, I think I think yeah, you got to get Stone. Well, the thing about it is Stone gets others going, but he's not going at all. And like you know, the two guys you'd think at this point who would be going in a series would be Mark Stone and Kirill Kapishoff for, for a while that neither have done anything, uh, which is a little ironic um, given the, what the seasons they had. I would go with Tuck and then kind of worry about my third line and see who you think is the best option. I, I, obviously, you can't put Noshik back up there. No, no, and he's hurt again, too. So he, he's not, I mean, he's, he's not going to be an option. Um, I, I would put Tuck up there. And then as you get, you know, obviously you have the second line and then you get to the third. And you look at each other and you see who you think gives you the best chance. <laughs> I think that the the key is the Golden Knights 
should not be making out their lineup to match the Minnesota Wild third line because we've heard a lot about the depth, but the, their third line has a 20-goal score on her, absolutely Kevin Fiala. But that third line, it's, it's barely played together in the regular season and through two playoff games, they don't really have great analytics. Like It's not like that third line is anything to be afraid of, and you shouldn't be filling out your lineup to beat the Minnesota Wild third line. So I'm not overly worried about having like third line depth. So to me, there's three options to play left wing on the first line. Alex Tuck, who did it in game two, Matthias Janmark, and Cody Glass. What you and Jonathan Marshall is out there as another option, but that is blowing up the lines completely, which I am not entirely in favor of unless they're, you know, scoreless through two and a half periods or something. But like I like the idea of Matthias Janmark moving up there because Janmark is a solid player. This is kind of the reason you traded for him, and it doesn't force Alex Tuck to move to his off wing. You allow Alex Tuck to still play on the right wing. Granted, he's doing it on the third line. Alex Tuck is probably the biggest sort of uh, has the highest ceiling of any of those players because Tuck is a guy who can create plays, can make things happen on his own. Uh, but I think you can use that more on the third line where he is creating on his own, regardless of who he's with and let Jan Mark be the one that you hope sort of scores goals because Mark Stone creates them. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. And like, speaking of a crimin, and we've talked about this before when they sign, when they got, uh, when they make the move for, uh, Jan Mark, that's what he said. He can play up and down the lines. Well, it's one, one against a team you don't play well against in a place you've never won in regulation. So let's see if he can play up and down the lines. This is, you know, you go out and get a guy, you know, a guy you say, you know, can, you know, uh, help you in the playoffs and help you in the postseason. This is the biggest challenge as, as we've seen from him. If in fact they put him up to the top line, I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, Tuck obviously on the third line is really dangerous. I, you know, he, he was dangerous the other night from any line. So they, it's going to be interesting of why, you know, they might have, like we said, they might have called Sakura up in glass and, and neither of them plays. I think that would be a little strange that neither of them plays, that they both got called up yesterday, especially that Noshik is out and Patch Reddy, we assume, is out. Um, but they've got to generate something. You can't have Mark Stone go a third game and not have done anything. And I'm not saying it's all Mark Stone because he's a facilitator for the most part and, you know, he get, makes other people better around him. So they have to step up and do their part. But you can't have Mark Stone continuing to be a non-factor. And I do think the Wild actually have done a good job against Mark Stone. They obviously know where he is on the ice. They're obviously making a point. And maybe the Knights are doing this with Kaprizov. They're trying. Everyone's trying to take away the best player on the other side. Yeah, I, I think ultimately the Golden Knights and Mark Stone are going to be fine. Uh, because if you look like analytics-wise, Mark Stone's been actually better in these two games than he was in the regular season as far as Corsi and expected goals go. But... If you look at the Golden Knights over the last two playoffs, when they've gotten eliminated, it's coincided with Mark Stone not producing very much offense. That uh, against the San Jose Sharks when they blew the 3-1 series lead, Stone had two points in the final three games of that series that they all lost, and both were assists. And then last year, he went on a four-game stretch between that Vancouver and Dallas series without producing a single point, then had a game with a goal and assist, and then went three more games without producing a single point. So, like, it is, like, when Mark Stone struggles, the Golden Knights don't win. When he's not producing anything, when he's not getting a goal or an assist, the Golden Knights don't tend to win in the playoffs. That's when they lose. That's when they get eliminated. So they've got to find something offensive from that line, because otherwise, who else is scoring? Like, 
I guess the Marshall Carlson Smith line, you'd expect them to score a little bit too. But after that, like Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo haven't been, you know, proven score, proven guys you can rely on to keep putting up points in the playoffs. So after Mark Stone, it's sort of like, okay, you're, you're sort of fingers crossed that sort of these secondary options actually do something. Yeah. And I would suspect that uh, they'll continue to ride flurry and he'll just have to keep standing on his head because that uh, helps. I mean, we've said it, it's a, uh, Never won in regulation. Sometimes you hear that, and, you know, Pete DeBoer, I guess, was pretty confident yesterday. Like, they've never done that, and I hear that so much when these trends happen that, like, my mind goes to, well, they'll win at least one here. You know, when you hear something so often, they're small favorites tonight, a little more than a dollar. I'm not a surprise just because it's the Knights. They're pretty much favored in every game. But, I again, we thought, you know, I think you and I both thought it was going to be hard to sweep at home. I I know they haven't won a regulation here. I think they're going to get at least a split. Because I've heard I've heard way too much about how they've never won here in regulation, and usually when that happens, something you know goes their way and they'll get a split. And they look, they need a split. Obviously, they have they're going to have to win at least one game here if they want to advance. Yeah, it'll be pretty brutal if they don't get at least one of these games. In oh Minnesota. no, yeah, it'd probably be over. All right, coming up next, we will jump into the NBA playoffs because the play-in series are rounds. Phenomenal basketball. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Oh, the play-in game. I think last night we might have witnessed what's going to end up being the greatest NBA play-in game of all time because I don't know that LeBron James or Steph Curry will ever play in one again. Uh, But they did last night, and the Lakers won 103-100. LeBron hit the game-winning three in the final minute. Um, Ed, does that does that one game make this whole play-in thing a success for the NBA? Uh, it definitely does for this year. Like you said, these guys will never be in it again. Um, uh, so, But it was an incredible game. Uh, do you believe his vision was as blurred as he made it out to be? <laughs> because I do not. Okay. LeBron is... All right, it's phenomenal. As somebody who loves soccer, I enjoyed every single minute of LeBron laying on the ground after yes. getting poked in the eye because yes. LeBron LeBron did a couple things when he gets poked in the eye there by Draymond Green by laying on the ground for as long as he possibly could. A, he ensures that they were going to review it for a flagrant foul. Right. If LeBron just hops up, I like watching it live. I didn't even notice he got hit in the face. Like I right. maybe and the refs hopefully are paying closer attention than I was. But if he just hops up, he might never know that he got hit in the face. But by laying on the ground and holding his face, he ensured they were going to review it. And listen, you're in the last two minutes of a close game. You get flagrant foul. You get free throws in possession. That is a spectacular advantage. It's the same reason soccer players lay on the ground for 10 minutes after they get fouled because they're trying to get a call. They're trying to get advantage. I loved every minute of it. I know people hated it. I know people are like, get up, stop flopping. I thought it was phenomenal by LeBron James. Oh, it was, it was great theater. And then you watched, uh, and you're listening to Van Gundy and Jackson, these guys go back and forth. And, you know, uh, um, you know, Steve Jaffe comes on. He goes, I don't think it's a flagrant. And the entire time they're all saying it's not a flagrant, but it's going to be called one. <laughs> Uh, and mostly because it's LeBron and and Draymond, obviously, you have yes. like in the villain. I think it and, might be and, more know, Draymond LeBron. than LeBron in that case. Yeah, he exactly. went for his eye this time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was great drama. Uh, and you know, look, I'm I got to be honest, I'm glad they didn't call flagrant, and he got his two free throws. And you know, uh, seeing nine rims or three rims or whatever he said, he was able to make those. Oh, what a shock! 
Um, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I don't think he hits the step back to win it with seeing three rims. If he is, he's even greater than we already thought he was. I believe LeBron James eyes were bothering him. I don't believe it was so bad where he kept acting like he couldn't see anything. Like right, I believe right. it, it like hurt or was uncomfortable. Cause he, he did get hit in the face and poked in the eye, but he laid on the ground long enough. The review was long enough that I, I believe he was fine. I believe yes. he was okay. It might've been uncomfortable, but I believe he was fine. But I am absolutely here for LeBron James milking every minute of everything he it, can get. Especially after they poured like an entire bottle of uh, eye drops in his <laughs> eye. Uh, and it, it appeared like that that helped him just a little. It was funny because after the game, they're, uh, you know, they're hugging each other. And finally, Steph gets to LeBron. And Steph obviously just gives him a hard time about hitting the shot. And then you could see LeBron telling Steph that he couldn't see. And, and the look on Steph's face, yeah, whatever, I'll see you later. <laughs> Okay, is it bad that I watched that game and thought, this is terrific, I want more of this, there's no way the Lakers are winning the title? Oh, wow. Do you think they're no, Do you think there's no way they're winning it? I mean, it was one game, but they right. did play right. well. They were not good. Um, like, LeBron well, was good in the second half, but, like, I I don't know that that team is actually good. They... <laughs> They might not be winning it, but I just saw on Twitter that uh, for the first time in 30 years, a seven uh, favorite over two, and the Lakers are minus $3. So I don't know if they're winning the title, but it appears they're going to beat the Suns in the 7-2 like, game. So, okay, as a seven seed, their path to the Western Conference Finals, the uh, the Suns and then the Nuggets, if the Nuggets win. If not, it would be uh, the Blazers. That's a pretty easy path for a seven yeah, seed. Yes, they get to like the Clippers, or right? Something. And then in the and then in the conference finals, it could be the Clippers or the Jazz or whatever. Right. But like, I I think they're they're gonna be favored, obviously, in probably every series they play. I just, I mean, I know it's it's one game that I watch, but like, they haven't played together a lot this year. The guys they're actually starting, the guys they're actually using in rotation because of how many injuries they had, and they weren't really that impressive. No, they last weren't great. Night. No, I mean, no. What LeBron and Anthony Davis? What did they combine to start like like four of twenty from the field or something like that? Like I guess it's impressive they still managed to come back and win despite that. I just I don't know. I watched that and thought this is a lot of fun, but I just I just don't see that team winning the title. Even though I'm sitting here knowing you know in three months LeBron's going to be winning another title because it's LeBron James. I just I didn't think they played well, and I'm like that eh, that's not a title contender. I guess a couple things surprised me. One, Anthony Davis didn't fall a lot because he appears to fall a lot. And two, who is your all-time, if you have one, favorite player with headbands? Like, are you into oh. the headbands like Caruso? Um, I do. I do enjoy headbands. It is not Alex. Car yeah, it is not Alex Caruso though, because wow. I maybe I'm discriminating. I'm not a big fan of bald heads. Like headband and bald <laughs> head, I think it's a bad look. You got to have some hair with the headband. You got to have some hair flowing out of the headband for it to look any good. So it's Kelly uh, Olynyk. Yeah, like Kelly Olynyk looks better than Alex Caruso. Like absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a headband guy. <laughs> they're great. I think they're phenomenal. Why would you, you like it? Do you sweat more with the bald head, and that's why he has to wear it, wear it? Because if you think LeBron has eye problems, if you have the bald head like Caruso and the sweat's pouring down your eyes, I don't know how that guy ever makes a play. Maybe that's why he's got to have the headband. Quick story from my high school. There was a kid that once passed out after gym class so that we and we shaved his eyebrows. Jesus, what is wrong Jesus. with you? We Okay, I didn't shave his eyebrows. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people got together, shaved his eyebrows. 
Turns out your eyebrows stop a lot of sweat. So basically the premise is, yeah, the 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 the, the headband stops sweat from getting in your eyes. So maybe LeBron is just a heavy forehead sweater. Jeez. Don't go what to school story. with Jared, my God. Eyebrows now? Yeah, after you passed out because gym class was too hard? Jeez. What, is this kid even well, alive when you shaved his eyebrows? I, mean, I don't know. I wasn't really part of the... All I know is that there, I, the suggestion came up. I laughed thinking, you guys are idiots. Turned around. They were shaving some kid's eyebrows. <laughs> Jared has quickly Jeez. backtracked from the, the clippers were in yeah. his hand. Too. From the guy holding the clippers. Too. I, I had nothing to do with it. Well, I don't know. wasn't me. I didn't shave the guy's head. Oh, I definitely had... I have some culpability in the idea of... Uh, the the same way the pe- people from Seinfeld saw the crime happen and didn't do anything. Yes. You know what I don't want to happen? I don't want the Grizzlies to win tomorrow. <laughs> I know that. That'd I don't know a, much, but I know would, that. That would be the equivalent of a shaved eyebrow. I don't, that would stink. I will say the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are more fun than the Pacers. Like if you like, if you're giving me the next two oh, days, sure. like the Grizzlies are more fun than the Pacers. But Steph Curry is is one of the most fun players to watch in the history of the game. Yeah. Like it's and and even if even if that means Steph Curry's gonna lose in five games to the Jazz in the first round, I'm still fine with watching Steph Curry sure. try to put up forty five points every game and lose in five games to the Jazz. Like it's still yeah, gonna they be more could, entertaining. They could have had him run off forty two screens and cut thirty two different ways last night. He wasn't getting a shot off. Man, Those were, two dudes were on him like they he was that was that was I mean, you have to you, look. Obviously, you have to find him and allow him to take it. But even I think I don't know. Van Gundy was saying even if they're coming out of timeout, like even Gundy suggested, you know, are they, they going to decoy him for someone else? Because look, no one, you know, Anthony Davis, they're all extending. They're all they're all like just chasing him and everything. It's like, but you ha- it's weird because him from like forty eight or is probably better than someone from like right behind the line, right? Because like so who I understand you, it. Who are you worried but, about? Like Juan Toscano hitting a th- I, no, shot I mean, against I you? I understand he has to take it, but it was just like I mean, I don't know. They were gonna have to. They're gonna have to like just tackle someone not to like not to get to him and 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 no, he didn't even. He wasn't even allowed to catch the ball. Um, he told every time. By the way, J.R. Starkus, who's going to join us later in the show, he yeah, wants to know what I have happy. against bald heads because uh, J.R. is bald. Yeah. Um, a lot, J.R. Grow some hair, damn it. Let's go. What are you doing? Grow it out. Would if When J.R. gets back in the studio, if he's listening, please, please mix a drink wearing a headband. Of course. That Don't, would be awesome. Yes. Why not? Yeah, I'll wear a headband, too. I'll wear a headband with him. That way I'll look better than him. <laughs> It'll be great. All right. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. How are you this morning, David? Good, good. How are y'all doing? We are good. Uh, So I want to start with... um, Everyone's favorite manager in baseball right now, Tony Larusa. Um, oh, interesting. Did you did you think it would take until mid-May for him to uh, prove to us that he is too old to be a manager in baseball? Uh, so this is a weird thing. I guess I can confess it now because, like, he has you know definitively proved to everyone that he's too old to be a manager in baseball. So this is all academic now. I kind of thought it was going to work. Uh, like, I I didn't think that he would like. 
be woke or whatever. You know, like he's still like a guy, he's in his mid seventies. He has transition lenses and like there's you know there's only so much you're really going to get out of the guy in terms of being like you know understanding other people's lived experiences or whatever. But I did think he'd do a better job managing the baseball team. Like that part of it, I thought he would do a good job with. And he's made this is the first time he screwed up in a way that like I kind of thought he was going to screw up. Like, all this stuff where he, like, didn't know the rules and, like, you know, leaves a pitcher in to, like, face four more batters than they should because he wants to have, like, <laughs> Billy Hamilton, you know, in the next inning or something like that. Like, that uh, I didn't expect from him. But him definitely, like, grandstanding in a weird way about, like, some unwritten rule that, like, nobody under the age of 76 cares about. Like, yeah, I, I, I guess, like, I expected that earlier. But the other stuff uh, that, which seems more disqualifying to me, I didn't really expect at all. Are they like? Is every unwritten rule stupid? Has it gotten to the point now in baseball where it's just like get off my lawn, or is there anything you you think is like that? That's legitimate. That's okay to keep around. I mean, I think there are some that make more sense than others. I think in this case, what was weird is that like, so in getting upset about like the unwritten rule of like swinging at a three zero pitch that a backup catcher throws, literally Williams Astadio throws you in a blowout. Like, I guess that is a rule that's meaningful. I don't see how that, like, really adds any value for anybody. The other thing, though, is that, like, in doing that, LaRusa like, contravened a whole bunch of other, like, unwritten rules that I think make way more sense. The first of which is just, like, keep that in the clubhouse. Like, the, the idea of, like, you know, team business is team business and, like, you share what you want to share, of course that makes sense. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't want to, like, have everything from my workplace be in the press if I could avoid it. And to me, like, that was the part of it that was, like, really, if I were, I think if I were playing for LaRusso that I'd be mad about is that, like, he made himself the story in a way that, like, didn't, not only did it not help the players or whatever, like, it showed that he doesn't value you. You know, that he's, like, or at least he doesn't value you as much as he values the opportunity to, like, lie completely flat on his back in a Zoom call and just free associate for 20 minutes, which is more or less what he seemed like he was doing. So, yeah, I think some of this stuff, like, a lot of the, the rules, I don't think, like, throwing at guys is ever okay. Like, I think that's just stupid, you know? And I say that as somebody that, like, watched Kevin Pillar's nose explode two days ago and has been, like, haunted by the image ever since. Like, you shouldn't throw baseballs at people if you're a major league pitcher. Like, that just sucks. But a lot of the stuff, I think, in terms of, like, you know, norms are useful. It's just a question of, like, how much of a turd you're going to be in, in uh, pursuing them. Uh, David, is it bad that last night I look up Shohei Otani's stat line and see he threw four and two-thirds, uh, gave up a couple of runs, only went one for three in a bunt single, and wasn't impressed? Yeah, I mean, it's really <laughs> incredible the level that he's at right now. I So this is an experience I haven't had um you know, you do with Trout when he's healthy, but like no one ever writes about Trout because the Angels are always going like 80 and 82. But with Otani, we ran a, a post on him yesterday, and I was, you know, reading through it. And, like, the stats were actually like a borderline LOL to me. Like, his sluggy percentage starts with a six right now. Like, that's not supposed to be, like, a number. Like, that's like Barry Bonds in 2002, and then it just doesn't happen again for, like, an entire cicada life cycle that somebody does that. It's it's unreal. Like, and the home runs he's hitting are these things that like every I you know as somebody who watches the Mets a lot. I see 
all leave the bat at that angle many times per game, and every one of them is caught by the shortstop. <laughs> and somehow, like, Otani is hitting these things over the batter's eye in big league ballparks. Um, like, <laughs> balls coming off with crazy loft, like, pitches at his eyebrows. And it's a shame that the rest of the team is so miserable, because, like, they should really just, like, jump in on his at-bats in other games, and then just, like, <laughs> leave, leave the David Fletcher stuff for the massacre. They, the, the one on the eyes was something, but Tyler and I were talking the other day. The one on the outside where he pulled it is almost inhuman. Like, I don't know. At that velocity, how can that even happen when he – now, it's one thing if you go up on something like that, but you start pulling those things. It's not even – it's not even – you can't – what are you going to say to that? It's ridiculous. I thought Piazza would do it a little bit, uh, but I've never seen a pitch like that hit with that kind of authority. Like, because that's – like, you can't do the stuff – like, the pitches that – the super high fastballs that he hits and stuff. Like, they're cool to watch, but it's like he's using his whole body for that. You know, like, he's just, his hands are that fast, so he's able to get, like, a proper swing on a pitch that nobody should be swinging at. In that case, I mean, that's a home run. He hit, he pulled a ball over the fence with his wrist. Like, I, I mean, I've watched enough baseball to know that that's ridiculous, <laughs> and yet, like, it, it doesn't look weird when he does it. Like, he just hits the ball so hard when he hits it. That it like somehow like through him all things are possible. It's kind of I'm getting a little, little less secular than I should be <laughs> on a baseball thing, but I'm 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 loving what's happening. I just I can't believe how bad the team is. Yeah, and he's got an ERA under three, but yeah, the Angels have zero chance to make the playoffs. I think they're still behind the Mariners, who have been no hit twice now this season in the AOS. Yeah, um, and are, and are as a team hitting 200. Yeah, it's <laughs> unreal. Like. Uh, Last night, Dave Martinez, the manager of the Nationals, ripped up first base and threw it because he was mad about a runner interference call. And I didn't realize this until that replay has stolen ridiculous manager ejections from us. Like, we don't get to see that anymore because you just tell them to go watch it again. There's only, like, three things they can't review. And I didn't realize, like, I'm in favor of replay, but I didn't realize that I had lost so much with managers doing ridiculous things like that. That's a really good point, dude. I might steal that for a blog post. I hadn't thought about it. I, I did, you know, like I was, you know, woke up today to like a bunch of different people being like, hey, I don't know if you saw like, I pulled the first base out and throw it, but I thought that'd be the sort of thing you'd like, which is great. You know, it's nice to have friends. Uh, but it hadn't occurred to me, like, it has been a minute, like, since, you know, whatever, like, the Lloyd McClendon, like, whatever, doing like a kick line across the field because he was mad about something. In this case, like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's like, Every ejection that I've seen, like, you know, when I've seen them, have had this kind of, like, rote, like, ritual sort of thing where it's like, all right, I know, like, this is a called third strike. The second I leave the dugout, like, I'm dead and going to be ejected. But, like, I got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. And then it's just, like, two middle-aged guys kind of talking to each other from, like, a <laughs> respectable social distance, you know? This was, it was good because you could see that Martinez was, uh, like, for that brief moment, like, legit out of his mind which is uh, what you look for in a manager meltdown. Yeah, like I just, I remember it was in the minor leagues. I think it was the Mississippi Braves, their manager who was crawling on the field and threw the rosin bag like it was a grenade. And I I know it's it's minor league baseball, but like we don't get that anymore. And I kind of miss that. I'm kind of in favor of, all right, blow a few calls, but give me that guy back. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, especially like that one was, what's great about that one is that the dude was just like, like, I don't know that he could possibly have chosen to do any of that. Like, that's just like some <laughs> gland in your brain fires, and the next thing you know, you wake up and you're like, 
why do I have so much dirt on the front of my uniform? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's different than, like, Wally Backman used to have meltdowns like that all the time when he was managing in the Mets minor league system. But that's because he's, like, an unstable guy. You know, like, it wasn't, they, they weren't, like, fun. Like, it was the sort of thing where, like, like, people in the stands are calling the cops. You know, like, the vibe was all wrong. That one was just, like, a weird little kid freaking out for 15 minutes, except for he's, like, yeah, the 55-year-old manager of the <laughs> South Atlantic League team that the Braves have. We actually had Wally Backman, right, in the 50, with the 51s yeah, here, here in while. Vegas. I don't, I don't know if yeah. he ever crawled on the field, though. No, he was, a, he was about throwing. The one that he did, I think he was managing. He threw bases. In the Mets, I think at Savannah. Where he just yeah. threw yes. bags and bags of baseballs yeah. onto the field. Yeah. And that had, like, a performance art element to it, like, admittedly. But he was like, you know, you can't, like, I can't recommend the video in good faith. Like, if you're going to watch it, like, you need to make sure the sound is off. Because it's just, like, a speed run of every profanity that exists. Like, he was, like, cursing in Sumerian. It's not, like, uh, like something that anybody should be doing. Uh, as opposed to, I think, um, throwing a rosin bag like a grenade after crawling halfway across the infield. I feel like everybody should get once. I mean, you know, you remember the you remember the Lasorda on Buckner and all these great like Lee and other things. Why do you think they've gone away? I mean, especially with media nowadays with Twitter and, and maybe that's is that it because now they know anything's done. It's not like the two beat writers in the office with Lasorda and he can go crazy and maybe you hear about it, maybe you don't. Yeah, I wonder to what extent like it's gonna. I mean, I, I think broadly it's trending away from that just because like things are getting less interesting in general. You know, like so many of the guys that are managing now are dudes that were like playing two years ago. You know, like they're not like maniacs like Lasorda would be. You know, the guy had that job for like 30 years. Like Lord knows yes. what that did to a person's mind. But I think some of it is like on a Zoom call. It's like that because that's where like half of these things are happening now. Still, like that, as those restrictions get relaxed and people are in the same room, maybe there's some of that energy. But like, like, the thing with, like, LaRusse's, uh, like, he had some weird monologues after the the Mercedes thing and then the kerfuffle after that. But it was kind of, like, drowsy and, like, the, I mean, maybe that's just because he's old or whatever. But, like, I think that, he, you know, if you're doing that in front of a live studio audience, like, I feel like you'd punch the material up a little bit. Like, the energy level would be higher. Uh, which of these topics will have a longer entry on Tim Tebow's Wikipedia page? His baseball career or his tight end career? I'm more optimistic. Well, I mean, I watched him play baseball. I'm more optimistic for uh, Tim Tebow H-back than I, I mean, I was wanting that for a really long time. Like, not because I necessarily, like, enjoyed watching him play or whatever, but watching him play quarterback, I did not enjoy. And it seemed like he's, you know, whatever. He has, like, a, you know, specific set of skills, most of which are, like, it's like running in a straight line exactly forward, um, <laughs> sometimes with a football, sometimes not. And, like, I think he could do that decently well. It's just, like, he would have probably done better at it five years ago. Something I learned about this morning, writing about it, do you know that he's written four autobiographies, like four different books? Wait, he has? I mean, yeah, like, I don't know that he wrote them. But they're like, it looks like the photo shoots all look like the covers all look like it was like one photo shoot, but one's called like broken and one called, one's called like shaken and one called, it's called like, you know, be yourself and you'll never be sad or whatever. But it's just like him in a series of like Henleys with the same haircut, making kind of like a purposeful face with his arms folded. Like, but it looks like, it's like how you find out, you know, or whatever, maybe normal people don't find this out, that like Steven Seagal makes like 10 movies a year. You know, and they all have, like, a three-word title, 
and there's just like kind of a picture of it's just like just his goatee because the rest of it is all like really swollen at this point on the cover. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of movies to make in a year. But Tim Tebow having four books with his name on the front, and they all seem exactly the same. It's kind of like the closest I've seen to that in the non-Segal realm. Hey, he's efficient with those photo shoots. That's important in life. He's going to be a great tight Yeah. Well, he's playing within himself. They're is. not like asking him to, you know, like wear a tuxedo or anything like that or like <laughs> throw a pass 10 yards. Well, he is uh, David Roth from The Defector. <laughs> David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Oh, Four autobiographies. I, that is way too many autobiographies. Should, don't you only get to write one of those? Well, is he doing it for every sport? What is he doing? <laughs> every position. Every position. Every position. He's, he's writing a book. He's getting a book out of it. All right. Coming Jeez. up next. We'll continue to make fun of Tony LaRusa. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. So somehow the Tony LaRusa story has lasted three days here. Probably because he's an idiot. But Tony LaRusa said yesterday that they don't have a problem in the clubhouse. So to catch you up, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, your mean Mercedes hit a home run on a 3-0 pitch in the ninth inning against the Twins earlier this week. It was like a 14-6 game at the time. And he swung at a 3-0 pitch while being pitched to by a position player, Williams Astudio. So he hits that home run. The next day, Tony La Russa comes out and says that your mean Mercedes is going to have to face consequences within their family for swinging at that pitch and hitting a home run. In the next game, the Twins threw behind your mean Mercedes. Didn't hit him, but threw behind him. The pitcher was ejected for throwing behind him. And then Tony La Russa came out and said that he had no problem with the way the Twins handled it, basically saying he was okay with the Twins throwing at one of his players. Multiple players on the White Sox have supported your main Mercedes, including Lance Lynn. Uh, Lance Lynn basically said, when you put a position player on the mound, this whole idea of unwritten rules is thrown out the window because you're putting a position player on the mound. You're the one that's violating the unwritten rules. And Tony La Russa responded to that by saying, Lance Lynn, or excuse me, Tony LaRusso said, Lance Lynn has a locker. I have an office. I don't agree. Um, why is Tony LaRusso like, if he's not trying, he's doing a damn good job of in making me think he's trying to like blow this team up. What ironically, and I don't know why you'd want to blow it up because they're pretty they're good. good. I mean, I was laughing at, I was laughing at, in the family. Who is this guy? Tony Soprano? What do you mean? The, the, the discipline within the family? What are they going to do to the guy? Whack him? Come on. In the family? It's just, come on. Yeah, they're going to whack him with a baseball. I mean, he's, he's you know, bringing out, you know, bringing out the, uh, his uh, guys in the suits and Christopher. Christopher going to come over and whack him? Come on. I, look, I don't know. I don't know what he's trying to do. You'd think he would just make out the lineup and say, yeah, they have a pretty good team and let's, let's try to win something. So, I, I will tell you this, Ben Goats gets Gots, who's uh, here at home in Minnesota with me. He's come back to his home, hometown. He is a huge Twins fan, as you might imagine. And he was pissed they threw behind the guy. Yeah. 
he goes, that's complete. And he's a twin fan. He goes, that is completely stupid. He's like, that's the dumbest thing about the entire situation that they actually threw behind him. Right. Like, that is the definition of being a sore loser. Like, the guy yeah. launched a home run off of you, and you're going to try to throw at him the next time you face him because what? Because he hit a home run off of you. Like, yeah. that is not being able to handle somebody else having success he against you. He hit a home you. run off your outfielder. Right. Because, you, yes. Well, you yeah, and you're the, the one who pitched the ball. outfielder. Right. It's, it's, yeah. The most absurd, like, obviously, baseball's unwritten rules are stupid and old and need to be, like, taken away. But the part that I, the part that blew me away the most at first was Tony LaRusso saying he was okay with the Twins throwing behind Mercedes. Like, the idea that a manager would be okay with the other team throwing at his own player is bizarre to me. But now, on top of that, for him to basically say, Lance has a locker. I have an office. Like I am the king here. He is a mere peasant. Like I just like, I can't believe this is how Tony the Russa is approaching managing his baseball team. That, like you said, is really good. Like yeah. they've like right. They've got the best run differential in baseball. I think they have the best record in baseball right now too. Like they're, they're really they're good. ten games over five hundred with a run differential of plus seventy three. Yeah, like it. But it feels like Tony the Russa is trying to screw it up. He's trying to be like, yeah, I'm gonna piss off all these guys, and we're gonna suddenly suck. What do you think? This is interesting. The management that hired him. Well, they love that they're 10 games over 500. Is there any regrets or is management always like, we just want to win as long as we're winning. We don't care about any of this nonsense. Well, as Adam Candy told us yesterday, Jerry Reinsdorf is even older than Tony La Russa and is probably Oh, that's just, right. I, okay. It just, right. You're just, he's totally I'm, Yeah, you're just yeah. friends with Tony La Russa yeah. at that point. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Lance Lynn has a locker. You have buddy. an office. Yeah, you have an office, Tony. You are the king. Well, you do get to make hey, what if decisions. I if I'm Lance Lynn, I'm coming in today and making sure I still have that locker. Well, yeah, that is a good point. Because I mean, there's like how like if he it's like he's trying to piss off his players. That's the thing I can't get. He's like he's trying to piss off his players publicly. It's so bizarre to me. Like you can't. Well, and he's trying to piss off players, and sometimes you do that to get him going. You're ten over five hundred. Right? Why right? are you making them mad? Like if yes, if they were like bad, if they were like ten yeah. under five hundred, and he was like. I got a lot of fire yeah. in these guys and start trash talking them in the media. That's one thing. Sure, but they're they're good. Like whatever you'd been doing before that, you probably shouldn't be coming out to yell at them in the media. I just and the other part is like your mean Mercedes, the guy who hit the home run, he's a rookie who's been unbelievable this year. Like his numbers are incredible this season. He's the guy who <laughs> Welcome started... to the welcome to the bigs. Right. Don't hit home runs. Right. You're too good, your mean Mercedes. You need to <laughs> rein it back a little. Hit a single instead of double every now and then.